Welcome to the show. It's Real Talk with the Six Man. I'm your host, the Six Man. This podcast is uncut, unscripted, and we talk about a wide range of topics such as black entrepreneurship, social injustice, education, finances, the family dynamic, Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, and mental health, along with many more. It's a Real Talk podcast to empower, educate, encourage, uplift, and inspire, and to allow others to be better than they were yesterday. Breaking news this morning out of Southeast D.C.'s 6th District. The city is waking up to multiple people shot after what appears to be some type of a block party event. Let's get right to Stephanie Ramirez. She's live in Southeast now with the very latest and stuff. My goodness, just amazing that so many gunshots can be fired, so many people injured in one area. Maureen, one person on scene here who came to recover something, literal, they told us literally that they just saw people getting shot left and right. We don't know how many suspects or you know what exactly was going on that caused the shots to be fired. What we can tell you is a very chaotic scene. It looks like with investigators still on scene, one of the men who came to recover something had injuries up and down his arm saying that that was sustained as he was trying to flee this scene. So I'm going to step out of the way and show you. This is near D and 33rd Street southeast and uh, on the site open MHZ I heard audio dispatch calls starting before 1230 this morning for this shooting near the 3300 block of Dubois place southeast and the calls started coming from various locations in all we heard first responders stretching this shooting scene out from Dubois place to also C Street and Minnesota Avenue southeast now that is preliminary information DC police are uh, they have not given an official uh, update or press conference yet but I can tell you out here on the scene, evidence markers were uh, counted in the 100s at least. Uh, we also, I also talked to a 6th District MPD official who told us, confirmed at least one person was killed. Another trusted source tells me that D.C. police could be dealing with a total of around 20 people shot. The dispatch calls we heard said nine people were transported to area hospitals. People have been coming by to see the scene this morning, including a potential family member of the person killed, but also here today is John Ayala. This is the grandfather, who's also a DC guardian angel, but the grandfather of 11-year-old Devon McNeil, killed at a peace cookout on July 4th. Sir, I can't imagine what it's like for you to be out here again today, but what is the message you want to hear or you want to tell the community this morning? Well, the message I want to give out to the community, first, we got to tell everyone in the community, if you know who have illegal guns in the street, it's time to start reporting them. Enough is enough. We're tired of waking up in the morning and hearing that more people, loved ones, are being um, murdered in the streets of Washington, D.C. Also, I want to give a message to the judges. They're letting these people out that are for COVID-19 that are violent criminals. When you let the violent criminals out in the street, they could continue to commit violent crimes. So we have to keep them locked away and when these guys are here for we have to keep them locked away period i'm sorry john thank you very much for your time and john has been marching through the community ever since his grandson was killed for gun violence to end thank you for your time again and guys i can tell you uh, we did later confirm with dc fire that there were nine people transported but we were also being told that people were reporting to the hospital themselves dc police were transporting people and some folks were even um just you know going to fire 
firehouses for help. So just still a lot to process here. But as you see behind me, investigators, forensic investigators as well, working very hard this morning. Maureen. Good morning. You guys ready? Around 12:20 uh, a.m., uh, we had a large gathering here in the 3300 block of Du Bois Place, southeast. Uh, during the course of the event, uh, there was uh, gunshots rang out. Uh, there were multiple shooters. Uh, after the shooting occurred, we ended up with 20 victims. Uh, at least 11 of the victims are female. Uh, one of the victims is a 17-year-old by the name of Christopher Brown. Uh, he was taken to a local hospital where he was pronounced dead. Uh, the uh, second most serious victim is a, a first district police officer with the Metropolitan Police Department. Uh, she was shot. She's struggling for her life right now at a local hospital. Um, she uh, was taken here. She was off duty at the time. She was taken to the hospital by police officers who were here on the scene. Um, so in total, we have 20 victims. Uh, two of the victims are 17 years of age. Uh, the rest of the victims are adults. Uh, other than the 17-year-old who lost his life uh, and the police officer who's struggling for her life, uh, most of the, uh, I mean, the rest of the gunshot wounds, as far as we know, are non-life-threatening. Uh, do you all have any questions? Uh, if you, you know, you walk the scene, uh, there was a large gathering. There was certainly uh, way too many people out here uh, you know, with COVID-19. It was a huge gathering. Uh, there was music being played. Uh, there's an indication that some, some food was being served. So it was some kind of a social gathering. Uh, and what happened was it was some kind of dispute and uh, multiple uh, gunshots were, I mean, weapons were produced and multiple shots were fired. And as a result, we have uh, 20 people that have been shot. And those who Preliminarily, there were police officers on the scene. I want to confirm that. I want to talk to the management team over here and see if we were doing everything we possibly could, uh, because we can't tolerate these types of gatherings uh, in our city uh, during COVID-19. It's just too dangerous. You know, nobody can predict that a shooting like this is going to happen at a gathering like this, uh, but we can't have these large gatherings in the city. And question for you, um, the victim's cousin said that a permit was issued for the gathering. No, that... no permit was issued for this event. The officer who was shot, why was she at this gathering? Was she just... I don't know yet. We haven't had an opportunity to speak with her. Is so she was off duty. She was off duty. Any information about her, any more information about her, maybe a name and age that you can provide about so, uh, We won't give her name, but she's a, a first district police officer. She's uh, got one year on the police department. Chief, do you know what type of weapon was used or weapons? It appears to be handguns. Uh, we have, uh, you know, at least three shooters because we have uh, three separate locations where shooting or gunshots were fired. Uh, and it, from my understanding that the shots went off simultaneously. Uh, so we have three different locations. So it's at least three, but it's probably more. Any idea for a motive? No, right at this point, we haven't developed a motive.
was a COVID-19 case, how are these events still happening? Yeah, they're not just happening in Washington, D.C. If you follow the news, it's happening in other jurisdictions as well. As well. Uh, and we got to do a better job, in my estimation, uh, of breaking them up when they get to that size. You had mentioned, though, that there were officers at some point, but were there any confirmed attempts to break up this event? I, I, my understanding, and this is preliminary and subject to change, so take it with a grain of salt, please, is that there were officers here. There were not sufficient officers uh, to be able to move a crowd of that size. And how many, though, when you say crowd of that size, how many people do you estimate were here? Oh, there were hundreds of people here. And can you just confirm that you said it was three three gunmen? There was a there's at least three. So it's uh, I could, and the reason I'm the way I'm determining that is because we had multi, uh, simultaneous gunshots from at least three different locations. There's probably more than three shooters. Neighbors said that it sounded like automatic weapons were going off in the area. Any sign of that? We don't we don't have any indication of automatic weapons, but a semi-automatic weapon can sound uh, exactly like an automatic weapon. Semi-automatic weapon you can fire it um, simultaneously with with your several times in a matter of instances. What do neighbors in this area need to know to feel safe to sleep easy tonight? Well, you know, this is an isolated instance that happened over here. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, we're, I'm going to take a look uh, at the management team over here and see if they did everything they could to ensure that this gathering didn't get as large as it did. Uh, I don't have the details on that yet. Uh, this is a very safe community over here. Uh, I think the neighbors will tell you that. Uh, they don't run into a lot of problems over here, so they should rest assured that we, we won't see something like this again uh, in this community. And Mayor, seeing the, uh, the case, so many people out here and knowing that the cases are spiking, I think you guys have 100 new cases in D.C. today. What do you have to say to people who may be thinking about having a few more gatherings? Well, this is, uh, we're, we're here to talk about a violation of public safety right now. And what we, what we know is that uh, it's summertime, people have been cooped up, uh, they don't have a lot of other places to go. So in some cases, they're spontaneous gatherings. In other cases, they're cookouts that have happened peacefully for years and years that are spinning out of control. Um, but just what I can see in the aftermath is that we had a, a lot of people that were in a dangerous situation last night. Uh, and sadly, uh, several people who have no regard for human life um, opened fire at what had been, it looked like people together um, enjoying themselves. Now, it is illegal to drink on the street in the District of Columbia. Is it illegal to use marijuana on the streets of the District of Columbia? It is illegal to, it is uh, against our policies to be in a gathering of more than 50. All of those things are, are not good. Um, and sadly, when you put illegal guns in the hands of people willing to use them, it means that some person um, could lose her life or some people could lose their lives. So it is uh, very important that as a community that we have a zero tolerance for this activity, uh, that we support the Metropolitan Police Department when they're gonna have to make very difficult uh, uh, decisions uh, in breaking up these events. Okay, so they're going to have to uh, do that, uh, and the community is going to have to understand that that may mean that some people have to go to jail. All right, so that is when we say that we can't have large events, it's to keep the entire community safe. Mayor Bowser, are you saying then that the city thinks they're cracking down more? Uh, the city should have already in the police department, I think you heard from the chief's uh, remarks, is always the Metropolitan Police Department's. Uh, job and approach to keep communities safe, and if they see an unsafe situation, uh, they have to act on it. Another child killed in D.C. and just 
such a short period. It's been an active summer for you know deceased children. We've had the grandfather of Devon McNeil out here. What do you have to say to you know parents of, of these children who have lost their lives, and to other parents who just want to keep make sure that their kids can go out and have fun and make it back home? Um, I would want to keep my kids close to home. To be honest with you, so if you have a 17 year old, it's midnight, one o'clock. Let's let's keep our kids let's keep our kids close to home. Chief, I might have missed this. Did, did you all make an effort to disperse the crowd last night? It doesn't sound preliminarily like we had enough officers to break it up. Uh, so, but there were officers here, uh, and that's one of the things I'm going to look into as we, we uh, take investigate this matter is whether or not we could have done a better job of breaking it up. This is the second event now in a few weeks. There was another incident in Oxen Run uh, a few weeks ago where there was a similar complaint. There was not enough enforcement to disperse hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah, I think that, uh, that story calls. has not actually been told accurately. Uh, for those who know what happened over at Oxen Run Park, uh, there was a gathering over there. We were able to get sufficient police officers over there to break up that, that group. Uh, and that's what we should have done here. So. so you mean you all broke that one up? At Oxen Run, yes, we did. No, I, I think that's, uh, I, I can only say the shooting happened around 12.20 a.m. Uh, what time the party started, we don't know for sure yet. I, I know that uh, we have reports that there was nobody out here as late as 9 p.m. So sometime, we think sometime between 9 p.m. and midnight, the, the crowd amassed. Sir, I know you're still investigating Like I said earlier, there, these large-scale events are not unique to Washington, D.C. You're seeing them spike up all over the region, uh, and we're going to do the best we can to break them up. Chief, at this point, are you uh, certain that it was uh, people shooting into a crowd, not some sort of exchange of gunfire? We, we don't have that level of detail yet. All right, thank you. Thank you. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Welcome back. You're tuned into Real Talk with the Six Man. And I had a very impactful conversation with an area commissioner um, here in D.C., um, ANC uh, of Ward 8, Robbie Woodland. Um, and I went live on Facebook because I wanted to get some interaction because it was about an important um, topic. And the, the conversation was impactful, but I went live on Facebook through Zoom. And clearly, <laughs> I didn't set the Zoom up correctly. And so you guys were only able to see me talking to her and not necessarily seeing us on the same screen talking to each other. So I took the live version down off my page last night or this morning. And I decided to just do a audio version here on this platform so you guys can still hear the conversation. So I will I will get a tutorial done this week sometime so I can make sure I do this right the next time I go Zoom live on Facebook. 
But I still wanted you guys to hear this conversation and I wanted to get some feedback from it as well. So after you guys hear this conversation, please inbox me. Please make comments on my page, whatever you need to do to reach out to me. Please do that um, and enjoy the conversation. It's impactful. Um, Miss Woodland dropped a lot of um, a lot, a lot of knowledge. Um, she talked about some stuff that I didn't even know about. Um, and I'm and I'm just happy and thankful that she took some time out of her busy schedule to chill and talk with me. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Um, again, I, it is is it, it it's it's impactful and it's definitely a discussion that needs to continue to remain throughout you know our community because there's a lot going on uh, in this pandemic. So check this um, conversation out between the six man and ANC of Ward Eight. Robbie Woodland. You're listening to Real Talk with the Six Man. Okay. So, so I want I want you to kind of introduce yourself, um, tell everybody who you are, um, talk about what you've done in the community, and even why you decided to become uh, a commissioner in Ward 8. Okay. Well, I am Robbie Woodland. I'm a native Washingtonian. I was born and raised here. Um, I am a first term commissioner. This is my first time ever being an elected official. This is a non-paid, non-partisan position. Um, I have been a commissioner now. This will be my second year in January. Okay. This is the year that I'm also up for re-election as well. Um, I decided to become a, com- a commissioner because I did not like what was going on in my community. Right. I believe that's how the majority of commissioners are. Um, or anyone who wants to get involved with, you know, homelessness or um, just dealing with the community or any kind of advocacy, they start off by realizing something that they do not like and something that they want to make better. So that's the reason why I became a commissioner. I am an advocate for any type of injustice. It doesn't matter what it is, be it homelessness, be it discrimination, you know, anything that goes wrong with our award, I'm an advocate for. So I don't have specific platforms that I hold dear to heart. I think I hold everything to heart. And that's just a part of who I am. Mm. Wow. And, and I think that, um, you know, a lot of the people that I talk to, um, don't really know the role of an ANC commissioner. So kind of go into what your role is as an ANC commissioner. Okay, so ANC stands for Advisory Neighborhood Commission. So you're elected only by the constituents that live in what is called your SMD, and that stands for Single Member District. So this is how... Ward 8 is broken down, and this is how most of the wards around the city is broken down. So the ward as a whole is broken down into these different sections, right? Like A, B, C, D, and E, right? You got um, Commission A, Commission B, Commission C, Commission D, you know, and so on. I am on Commission C, right? So that's that section of the ward. So Ward 8 as a whole is broken down into these little sections, So, and the sections are listed by alphabet. 
I am in the 8C section. And within my section, we have seven commissioners. So it's 8C01, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. So I'm 8C03. And I have one of the largest single member districts within my single member, you know, within my commission, my section of the commission. So the commissioner has, was supposed to have no more than 2000 residents, but it can go well beyond that because people move out and move in all of the time. Right. Right. From the board of election, we get like a map that tells us what areas are within our single member district, what streets belong to us. Um, and it can be a bit okay. confusing because you can, you can share a street with another commissioner. So I may have all the even numbers on the street and then the other commissioner has all the odd numbers on the street. Oh, and then there okay. are some, some, some areas where I'm the only commissioner right there and I got both sides of the street. Okay. You, you kind of get what I'm saying? Yes, yes. So our sole role is though, is to advocate on behalf of the residents within our single member district and take back any information or feedback to D.C. government. So we act as the liaison between the public and D.C. government. Now, advisory neighborhood commissioner means just that. And you have some commissioners that absolutely stick to what that is. We're supposed to advise on anything. You call me and say, oh, well, I got this, this, and this is them going on in, in, in my SMD. Technically, we're supposed to say, okay, well, you need to either call 911 or you need to call DPW for that and put in this kind of service question. We're supposed to advise. However, I don't just advise. I'm very hands-on. I'm very grassroots. I get right into the nitty-gritty of it, and I do more than what I am required to do. And I think that's how we all should be. Yeah, I, I just had a conversation with somebody about uh, about a month ago. And I was kind of telling them that I have the mindset now that I kind of do everything as if somebody's watching me, if that makes sense. Like I kind of I kind of operate in a way where if somebody is watching me, that my my character would never be challenged. Like I always kind of want to be on the right side of um, my character, meaning that I don't want to do anything that's going to, um, you know, make me look like something that that I don't want to be looked at, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? I kind of want to be looked up as a stand-up person, somebody who's authentic, somebody who kind of, you know, has some experience in some things and and, and don't mind sharing some of that experience. But I also want to let people know that I have a past. You know, I, I've been arrested. I, I, I got as do I. I got a rap sheet, you know, and I'm not perfect. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it boils down to, you know, what we do individually. Like, we, we, we can't keep... Um, you know saying that you know this happened to me because of this person or this happened to me because no it happened to you because you made a decision and now you have to be able to live with your decision and so a lot of the stuff that i see that's going on now is you know even if it's just you know community members even if it's just you know people like yourself your constituents um you know councilmen you know mayor chief everybody makes a decision and if even if the decision is right or wrong you still got to be willing to deal with the consequences of that decision so you know with everything going on now i kind of want to work my way back and then come forward if if, if that's okay so so i kind of wanted to talk about the incident because when we talked about it earlier i was not 
100% sure if everybody knew about this incident, but I want I want okay. I want to try to, you know, slowly walk people down a road that, you know, this is definitely gotten out of control and now we have examples of why and examples of, you know, the fact that we do not need this type of stuff in our community anymore. So we talked earlier about an incident that happened on Brothers Place Southeast. So I kind of wanted you to get into a little bit of that incident for some of those who don't know what happened. Okay. So in the beginning of January, there was an unpermitted block party on Brothers Place in Southeast where there were about, I want to say seven or eight people shot and two teenagers died. So there was a, a female teenager. She was 19 years old. She was shot in, well, I don't want to get descriptive, but she was shot and she died. And then there was a 19-year-old male who was shot and he died. So the incident that happened with the mass shooting last night was the second incident. You know, and actually, if you count it all up, it's probably like the third, the, like the fourth or fifth mm. incident, mm. actually, because these things have been going on. It's always shooting here. Mm. So it's always a, a disobeying of, a, of the mayor's order. No one taking it seriously. And it's always some type of gathering, either it's massive or not. Right. There is some type of gathering that is over. 50 people. Right. And at these gatherings, people get shot and they die. Right. So that incident that just recently happened, that was probably like maybe the fifth, the fourth or fifth incident that's happened thus far. Wow. That's crazy. I think it's the one that got the most attention because of the amount of people yes. and the type of violence. Yes. But it's violence either way it goes. And, and there was another incident um, right near, um, I want to say, um, is that the Oxen Run Park? Like Oxen Run? Like, yeah, so Oxen Run Park. So Oxen Run Park, I share that park with Commissioner Christopher Hawthorne. So he has the Willow Road and Valley Avenue side of the park, and I have the Willow Road and Mississippi Avenue oh, side of the okay. park. Okay. And we have really been combating this issue since July the 5th with the gatherings that happened in our park. First, it started on my side of the park. And on July the 5th, there was an incident. There, there, there was a LGBT, LGBTQ um, event happening there. And there were, you know, vendor tables and everything set up. You saw some people with masks. Some of them didn't have masks. Wait, 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 it was wait, my wait, understanding. wait, wait, wait. You I'm, said, I'm sorry? You, you said that it, they didn't have a permit, but they had vendor tables, meaning they were selling stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. They had vendor tables set up. Oh, wow. It was different vendor tables set up. And there was there there was no no mask, really. You, you saw a couple of people with someone, but not enough. Wow. And no. There was no permit for it. And that was probably a little under 200 people that was there at that event. And I tried my best to get that event broken up. That didn't happen. Then there was another event that took place right after that. And that was for the the, the little boy who died at the gas station, Karan Brown. Yes. 
um, last summer. Yes. So that event took place and that was an unpermitted event as well. Now they didn't have as many people. It was over 50, but it wasn't, um, but it was still an, an unpermitted event. Right. Um, and the only reason why I wasn't so gung ho about breaking that up is because our council member was there. Okay. It was still an unpermitted event though. Wow. Now, but when we had conversation with DPR, which is the Department of Parks and Recs, about issuing permits, or are there any permits being issued at this time, you know, we're told no. So when I try to get things enforced, it kind of, it's, it's a shuffle on who has the power to do the things that's necessary to be done. Mm. So I'm told, oh, no, you need to call MPD. They'll do the enforcement. And then MPD says, no, you need to call a national park services, but it's not a national park. It's a district park. Mm. And then they say, oh, well, no, you need to call the park rangers. And then park rangers like, yeah, we don't enforce. That's MPD. So it kind of went around in a circle. So it was kind of hard to know who's supposed to do what. That's crazy. So Christopher Hawthorne and myself, we had a meeting with them to try to put together a protocol of things. So... What was also said to me in the beginning of all of this was, what documentation do you have that this happened? So it was kind of being treated as though you don't have photos, you don't have videos. But 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 it was online because I remember I mentioned to you that I, I, I saw a brief um, bit of the video when he, where, uh, I guess his name, Commissioner Hawthorne. No, no, uh, no. That was when we decided to record it. Oh. And we decided to record it because we've been told about the previous incident. Oh, wow. What do okay. you have to prove that this happened? Wow. Okay. Okay. And wow. I just so happened to be driving by and just so happened to stumble upon wow. that event over there. When the band was setting up and everything, that event went on for six hours. Wow. From four to like 10. Wow. And and, yeah. and 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 it never it never like nobody ever tried to get the crowd to disperse at all. I mean, six hours—that's a long time. No, there were MPD officers were there, and they told us that they were only sent there to monitor the event. Meanwhile, it's like buck wild over there. Mm. I wish we could have gotten daylight footage. But that's not my part. That's that commissioner's part. Okay. So I didn't want to be in his part recording without right. his presence Correct. there. So just a, a territorial respect right. type of thing. Right. So I had to wait for him to come. By that time, it had started getting dark. But I really wish I could have got more daylight type of footage because they had individuals on top of the trucks. They literally pulled on top of the curb into the grassy knoll of the park area, all of their cars, they're on top of the roofs of cars, on top of the roofs of trucks, they're dancing and everything. And from the footage that I'm pretty sure a lot of your followers were probably already seeing the footage, they were out there, barely any masks on, they were just dancing. We were walking through the crowd. I had on three masks and oh, was wow. terrified. Oh, wow. And we're walking through the crowd and they're coughing everywhere. They're smoking cigarettes behind each other. They're drinking behind each other, laughing and giggling. They're not taking it seriously. And we warned from seeing that event at 400 plus. Mm. 
And I believe that mass shooting was way more than them. And we warned then, if you all just keep sitting by letting these things just go, then what's going to eventually end up happening is they're going to become, they're going to start feeling emboldened. And they're going to feel like they're not going to do anything about it. No way. They're just sitting there watching. So we're going to carry on. And that's when the violence is going to interrupt. That, that's that's when everything is going to erupt. Right. You're going to see these hoods are going to start coming together. Right. And they're going to start seeing people that they beefing with. Right. And then before you know it, everybody gets shot except for the intended target. Right. And, and, it, seem, and it seems like, and it seems like that's kind of, what's the what's been the mo thus far i mean because i haven't gotten a lot of information of what happened at the at the cookout sunday but you know just growing up in this area you know like i say i've been in my fair share of trouble and i've been in my fair share of you know incidents with other people you know i know how it operates like if, if it's a party going right, on so and, and 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 we not dead but we get a phone call hey such and such here oh for real oh i bet and we on our way you know what i mean and it's just like for me i just feel like where is the where's the sense of sense of urgency where we're in a pandemic first and foremost let's let's keep that on the forefront of our mind there is something floating around out in the air and we are still just okay you know what we're going to have a party because i mean on the radio today um i heard a young lady talking about her accounts of being there because she said she was there and she was just, and she was just saying how it was a good time everybody was having a good time it wasn't a lot of people with their mask on and in my mind i'm just like how can until you be, it wasn't a good time but but how can you be having a good time knowing that you're not even supposed to be out there mm-hmm. so like if the police do show up and and, and enforce you know, not being out there, then it's a problem. Everybody got all this animosity. But I'm like, but you're not even supposed to be out there gathered that much. Like, so I'm trying to figure out how was it a good time? And then, you know, the traumatic stuff happened. And I'm just at the point now where I'm like, why Why can't... I mean, I get that it's warm. I get that it's the summertime. I get people have been cooped up in the house since March myself. I've been in the house. I go to work. I come home. If I need to run the Target, I go to Target, grocery store, food, whatever. But I bring my ass back home. You know what I mean? Because I feel like when I saw what happened, you know, I posted and I was like, I heard it was a mass shooting last night. But guess where I was at? And it was just, I and I mean, it was, I saw that. it was, it was, it wasn't me. It wasn't me being smart, but it was just me trying to get people to understand, like, you you won't get injured. You won't be out there if you're home. So so where is the sense of urgency of being home? And I, and I mean I don't I don't mean to throw anybody under the bus, but I just I'm just gonna ask why do the police feel like they gotta go through all of these, you know, all of this Marbury Bush stuff when they know that this isn't right? And why don't they break it up? I mean I heard the chief say that it wasn't enough police officers on scene at the time but everybody that i've talked to was like nah by the time i got there the police was already there so i'm like if the police was already there and this thing started at nine o'clock and ended up you know ending at 12 because the shooting happened what time would it would have ended well listen if you if you watch that press conference that she did today chief newsham has put his gigantor foot in his mouth with some of the comments that he was making. So he said today, because I watched it after I mistakenly called you earlier and we got off. I said, okay, well, I'm gonna wash my hair. Let me, you know, listen to all of this. 
He said that they been knew it was going to happen. The event, he said that they get a listing of events that takes place as they, you know, pop up. Oh, wow. So they already knew that this event was going to take place, which makes me wonder then, because the police officers were already there over in our park when they started setting up. So you guys already knew that this was taking place. But it's the mayor, too, because she does not want any type of enforcement of her order. Right. Now, I believe, and I have to look the order up, because from what everyone is calling me and telling me, and I spoke with the Washington Post about it today, is that she's now since changed her order, letting MPD enforce and everything mm. else. Now... But he put his foot in his mouth. I mean, but this is after, but this is after three or four of these big events, and now they can enforce it. Of course, now? it is because the District of Columbia doesn't believe in preventive measures. They don't believe in putting things in place so things don't happen. They don't use um, what do you call it? What's that law? Murphy's law. Murphy's law. What can go wrong, wrong will go wrong. Correct. They don't, they don't think in hindsight is, is what the problem is. You have literally have to die before you get anything to take place in the District of Columbia. District of Columbia, the mayor, her officials she have in place, all of the government heads, they only respond to... They only respond to everything once it is at its most severe. After the fact. After the fact. Wow. That's crazy. That, I mean, I, I mean, of course, you know, I, I got a phone call because I'm in the house and I, I got a, I got a text message. I'm sorry, I got a text message. And it was like slim. And, 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 and I guess somebody had walked up and took a picture. Close the TV. And I looked and I just like, wait a minute. Like, what is going on? And then I'm, Looking at the news, like, the next morning, I'm like, wait a minute, what? What happened? And, I mean, for me, I just feel like, you know, I heard somebody else on the radio say today, I mean, we know we know we are sociable people and we know we want to get out. But you have your backyard, you have your your porch. I mean, you, ha you have these common areas where you live. Why is it that we need, we need to migrate and come together in these big outdoor you know what i mean because i just feel like you're asking for the police to come you're asking for neighborhoods who may be you know beefing to retaliate i mean you're asking for some of the stuff that happened and and i don't really want to speak on the person who you know sort of set up you know this cookout because when i saw the flyer it was like fifth annual cookout all these all these bottles and come pull up and i'm okay but <laughs> I mean, but it's not even about it's not even about being social at this point. At this point, it's just plain stupidity. At this point, you have this event at a time where you shouldn't have anything. Right. It's a public health emergency. Right. From what I hear, so many people advised you not to do it. You decide to do it anyway. You don't have a liquor license. You had all of that liquor. Have you for seen weeks. the video? I, 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 I all heard, of that liquor. I, I heard people have been telling him for weeks, don't do this. Don't do all this. All of these people. And then what happens? What can go wrong? Will go, will wrong. go wrong. Yep. 
and then it went horribly wrong. And now, because you wanted to disobey a lawful order and just do what it is that you wanted to do with no respect for the people who were going to be attending, no respect for the neighbors who live surrounding the surrounding areas. Right. You did what it was that you wanted to do. Right. And now you are facing some horrible consequences. Right. They're going to make an example out of him if they don't make an example out of anyone else because of the is and it's not so much about it was a mass gathering. They're focusing more on it was so it was so many more women there than it was men. Right. So they have absolutely no understanding the powers that be how some people can come around and blatantly shoot at women this way. Right. And then these people lost their life. We still don't have an accurate count on everyone who died. Correct. Correct. We don't know yet. Right. You I mean, know, there are people that still have it. Everything. They're still trying to document everything. So they don't have an accurate account where everyone died. One of those videos, I saw a female girl. And you can tell by the way she was dressing, the way she looked, that she was pretty young. She didn't have on any shoes on her feet. She looked like she had on a skirt or maybe some shorts or something. And it looked like paramedics or MPD was on top of her doing CPR. Right, right. I saw that. So did that young lady live? Like, we don't know. Right. I mean, it came out that uh, there was a young man, 17 years old. Uh, He was a father Mm -hmm. of two. And he had one one here now and then one on the way. And when I heard that, I was just like, I mean, here we go again. You know, the family dynamic is broken automatically now. Like, here's a young man who... You know, has a has a child, one on the way, and now he's gone. So it's like now we're giving, you know, these kids uh, the the main responsibility to the mom or whoever you know is in his you know family or whatever. But I'm just like she don't have the best support system. Suppose he was her support system right. because that's another thing that we face on a daily basis over here. So what we have over here in our ward in Ward Eight, and I, I think I can I'm, I'm a little comfortable to speak on on Ward Seven. We have a a gumbo of of drug addiction of mm-hmm. prostitution mm-hmm. of killings we have just a whole plethora of issues that take place over here and it's like it's a melting pot it's one issue after another after another constantly being dumped into the same container and there is absolutely no resolve mm-hmm. that comes our way mm-hmm. it's no resolve we are in the midst of an urban decay in my in, in my in my opinion, and some folks that's watching probably think that I am absolutely batshit crazy. Excuse my language, but <laughs> I feel like this is being done by design. Oh, wow. This is an ethnic cleansing of sorts. I've been handed. because they want this beautiful place that we live in. Whatever powers that be, whatever Caucasians that exist, mm. whatever it is, they want it. Wow. We have leaders in place that don't care about us from our council member to our mayor. They do not care. Mm. They only care about themselves. They did each and everything that they were supposed to do to get you to vote for them, to get you to, 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 to get them in the office. They catered to your needs. They catered to your ego. And once they got in these offices, 
they gave you their back and their asses to kiss. Hey, and you know what? It's a, it's a, it. Just with you saying that, it's a song um, from the Ghetto Boys, and I remember Willie D was saying, "Once they vote a man, they don't do shit for you." So it's just like you vote a man, but then it's like what? Now I can't really speak on who does what and who doesn't do what. You know what I mean? Because I'm not really yeah. inside to see that. But of course, the the public opinion of those, you know, is sometimes you know either on one side or the other, right? But I, I wanted to kind of right. I wanted to kind of look at the fact that there was a un, off duty female police officer at this gathering. Um, they say she was only she's been on on the force only for a year, and she's still in the hospital That's fighting for her life. That. Like, like I mean, come, like if I'm not mistaken, that might have been the young lady who was laying on the ground. I, I don't know that that I still don't know. But. They they've never identified that, that, and another thing they never identify is. Why was she even there? Was she a part of the event? Right. I would like to know that. Right. Right. And and, and again, no. when I heard that, I was like, and the chief, the morning, the morning after, well, the morning, the morning of, like 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 eight nine, I think it was in the morning. He he wanted to be explicit. He was like, and yes, we have a female officer, uh, one year on the force, fighting for her life, critical condition. I mean, he was. It was like he made sure. He put that out there, right? So I'm just like, why put that out there like that if she was just there? Or I mean, I, I'm not sure what that was about, but it is. I mean, to me, it's just unfortunate. I mean, because when I saw all the bottles and stuff, the first thing that came to mind was like, didn't some of these doctors say that drinking a lot of liquor breaks down your immune system and that can cause you to catch whatever's out there quicker? <laughs> I mean, that's. Just, I mean, that's just me. And then another, and then a friend of mine. Uh, posted she was like all them bottles they could have with all that money that they spent for all them bottles they could have used that money and did something good in the community and, and it's just you know one of them things when you make a decision and not totally think about what you're doing is always the aftermath because somebody else can always see something that you do and say man you could have did this or you should have tried to do this you know yeah. what i mean but in this situation yeah. you know it's a five-year running Thing, and it's like you know what even though the pandemic i'm still gonna do it and it's just like it's unfortunate that that this happened i mean it's just it's really unfortunate yeah man. it's unfortunate all the way around the board it's 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 even more unfortunate that um you have this individual who don't live in the district of columbia right. maybe he did once upon a time but he don't live here now he should have had that event where he lives. Hey, somebody, like somebody, somebody posted that. Oh, he was probably nestled up in his uh, Montgomery County apartment by the time everything got kicked off. I was like, wow, Montgomery County. Like, stop bringing really? the dysfunction over here. Why you we have enough to deal why with? You, over why you? Why you? Why you ain't do that out Montgomery County? I, I, yeah, I, he could have did it out Montgomery County, but you know what? They're they're not gonna allow it out there. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. We live in one of the most lawless societies in America. These laws that are currently in place have been in place since I was out breaking the law. Some of these laws have not, when it comes to crime, some of these laws have not been amended since 1990. Wow. Some of them have never been amended since they was created in the 90s. You know, so these are the same laws that was in place when I was out breaking the law. And I honestly feel like now with my older age and with my maturity level, I honestly feel like, hmm, if when I was younger, if I would have gotten 
the if I was to be in a situation of going to jail on that first offense, even if I sat in there for two months, I think that would have completely changed my perception. Right. Because I got in trouble over and over and over and over again. And you know how DC law is. You you go to court, you sit there longer than five minutes, they're gonna no pay for it. And then before you know it, you're emboldened because you know nothing is going to happen. Oh, I'm about to go out here and do it again. They ain't gonna, you, you know, DC law, they're not going to do anything but keep no paper in it, no paper in it. Right. But I wish that someone would have been decent enough to pull me to the side and say, well, guess what? Lewis says these charges, they just pile up and pile up and pile up on your record. Yeah. And one day with all of these things piling up, you may do something serious. It great. might be life threatening yep. and you completely threaten your freedom yep. and your ability to be out and see your family. Because what happens is every charge you were ever charged with, even though it was no paper, they going to take every charge you ever had into account when yep. it comes to your sentencing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I wish somebody would have said mm. to me. Put me in jail on the first go around. That's what I wish somebody would have done for me. Right. My life, I'm sure, would have been so much different. Right. Because the way I feel about jail, <laughs> the last time I had to really sit in it, I was like, you know what? This is not for me. I can't do it. Right. You know how your grandmother tell you to go ahead and pray, anoint your head with oil? I was in that D.C. jail cell, honey. What a pad of butter. I said, Lord, this ain't no oil, but I'm going to ask you to go ahead and accept it because I'm going to anoint my head with this butter. I fasted and got the prayer, and I meant what I said. If you let me walk away from this, I will never be back in a situation like this again. As a matter of fact, I'm going to turn it all the way around, and I'm going to get more involved with the community that I once destroyed. And that's exactly what I did. So I want to help other people do that too. But we are in a in, in, in a terrible situation right now. Unfortunately, it cannot be fixed overnight. It's going to take one action at a time. I mean, I think for me too, you know, it took a couple times for me, you know, because I think mm -hmm. when I when it first happened to me, I'm gonna just be honest. It was like, you know, now it's like, oh, I've been locked up. Oh, I know how this feels. I'm yeah, I'm okay, bet. You know what I mean? But it was just like <laughs> at some point. You know, when you sitting in there and it ain't a week, it ain't two weeks, it ain't a month, it ain't two months, it ain't three months. You like, wait, hold on. Am I going home? Like, what's going on? And then <laughs> I remember one time I'm in there and uh, this old guy, old head, they happen to put me in his cell. And I'm like, everything for me is perspective. I mean, they put me in this old man's cell. He was very, he was very respectful when I got in there. Um, he was kind of telling me what, what his rules were for the room or whatever. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, after us, you know, kind of talking, he was just like, why you in here, chat? I was like, what you mean? He was like, you way smarter than half of these niggas in here. Why you in here, dog? And so he just began to, you know, I guess awaken something inside of me that's been wanting to come out, but nobody's ever talked directly to it. And he talked to me for at least three months before he before he left because he left. He ended up leaving. And I know after he left, I kind of kept with my routine. You know, I, I did my reading in the morning, did my push-ups, went out on the yard. I tried to stay within, 
you know, the the confines of what he gave me. Because he was like, if you don't stay here in this little box while you're here, you go out there and get the fighting and shit, that, that's going to be a charge. They're going to add more, you know, time to your, yeah. to your shit. You're going to be in here longer and longer. So I remember they put another uh, 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 dude in my room, <laughs> my man Gene. <laughs> and um, Gene ended up getting into a fight, but he was getting ready to go home. And I remember... You know, the the COs came and got his stuff. I was like, where my man at? They was like, oh, man, he got in a fight. We got to put him up in the hole. He going to be in here for another month when he go to court. I was like, oh. what? So, it, so so just in my mind, you know, when he go to court, you know, he end up getting whatever back time they was going to give him on top of the time that he already serving now just for a fight. I'm like, damn. So it's it's definitely not worth going through some of the stuff. You know, no. you know what I mean? And it's like when I get on the street, now I got a different perspective because I'm like, it's no need for me to get involved with this when I know this can happen to me. It's no need right. for me to do this if I know this can happen to me. It's no need. So I just feel like there's, like you said, there's no consequence to a lot of these, you know, I'm a, I ain't going to say just young people, but it's not, it's not no consequences to people. And so people feel like they can, you know, still have mass gatherings. People still feel like they can walk in Target without their mask on. I saw a young lady get into it with a um, PG County police officer because, you know, he was like, you know, she was walking in the store. And he was like, ma'am, you know, um, face masks, you got, you know, are required. She was like, I'm just going in here for a minute. He was like, I understand, but you got to put a mask on. So she lift their t-shirt up and put it over her face. He was like, no, man, that's not going to work. You got to put him. And they get to going back. And in my mind, I'm like, how you going back and forth with him? One, I mean, it, it was, it was, it was unbelievable for me. I said, but one, he's being respectful. That's one. And then two, he's just telling you what it is. And you're, you're, you're telling him what you're not going to do. So he has an opportunity to say, you know what? Put your hands behind your back. I'm like, I'm not trying to, I'm trying to do what, what's right so i can go home regardless of what it is and it's just some right. you know, i know i know i know people have you know mental health issues i know people aren't eating i know people are having you know um again you know ptsd and all of these you know all of this trauma going on in their head and you know right. might not necessarily have the professional help that they need to help them get out of this mindset but I, everybody that i've talked to in the last couple months you know, since I kind of started this, this, uh, this, 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 this platform, you know, yeah. everybody's just been saying Slim is all about mindset, man. People have to learn how to change their mindset because exactly. they're going to do what, what their they mind tells them to do. change it, it has to be forced. Correct. Because that's the reason why we have laws that exist. Right. You got people that's going to willfully follow them. And then you got the laws for the ones who decide that they're not going to follow them and that they're going to continue to break them. Right. So you can change your mindset or your mindset can be forced. Right. There is no easy way of getting this done. There is no, no healthy medium with enforcement and having police to come out and take care of issues. Right. Black Lives Matter says we, we protect each other. We can protect each other. No, we cannot. We're not licensed to carry. Right. I don't mean no harm, but if I'm part of Black Lives Matter and I'm at an event and they get the shooting, I'm running with the rest of y'all. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Right. We, we, we're not going to, how am I going to protect you? Right. I'm not a bulletproof shield. Right. But you have these officers that had the specialized training that they needed to have. They got licenses for their weapons. Correct. You understand? Correct. Now, of course, we can put some things in place where we won't 
have another incident with the police brutality. Right. We can put measures in place where officers, guess what? You can no longer put people in a chokehold. Right. You know, you can no longer put your knee on someone's back. Montgomery County just did that. Montgomery County just put you know, in a law like that. Like, but that's what I'm saying. We can put things in place. You don't have to shoot and kill. Right. If you feel like you're in a situation where you got to shoot, shoot the injure. Don't shoot the kill. They don't train them to do that, though. They do not train them to do that. I was talking to a guy at the gun range, and uh, he ended up, you know, quiet as kept telling me he was a state trooper. And he was like, you know, and he was a brother. He was like, man, quiet as kept, man. It's sad because they don't train us to do that. They train us to get y'all up out of there. I'm like, damn, for real? He like, yeah, man. He wow. said, he said when we go, when we ask, because he, he was like, you know, all of the equipment that they wear is a escalation. So he was like, you know, if I use my hands and it gets worse than that, then I can go one tip, which is, you know, maybe his baton or pepper spray. You know, he said they go through their little different channels. I said, but, you know, since we've been watching all this stuff that's going on, ain't when they walk into the car, license uh -huh. registration, they already went to... They done already passed all four or five ch channels, and they at channel one, like, yeah, license register. Like, come on, man. He was like, yeah. He said, yeah. but he said, you got to understand. He said, all police ain't the same. I said, I get that. He said, and then, you know, police officers are right. people, too. They going through divorces, you know, baby mama drama. They, they going through, you know, similar stuff that that we going through. Too. Right. So, like, I get that. And, 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 and it's no excuse. It's no excuse. But I feel like, yeah. you know, even though they're police officers, they have a title, they still people. So they still going through some shit. They still going through some shit, too. And it's not like, it, you know, they should have a right to take it out on other people because they have a hell of a job. You know what I mean? But you know what I mean? It's just, it, it, it just bothers me that you go from level one to just shooting. Like, I'm like, damn, like, right. for real? like, come on, man. And then chief, chief Newsham said on, um, <laughs> chief Newsham said at the mayor's conference, the, the, the mayor's press conference, press release, she, he said, and the police officers, they did, they did, they, 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 they ran towards the gunshots, not away from it. And I'm sitting there like, well, excuse me, but isn't that what they're supposed to do? That's their job. Are they supposed to run away with the rest of us? That's their job. They're supposed to go towards the gunshots. This is what they get paid for. That's their job. This is their job. They knew the description when they took it. So, yes, but with all joking and the laughing and stuff aside, I mean, it, it's good to have a, a lighthearted, you know, comment with, with all that's going on. Correct. But with all of this aside, if we don't have some type of enforcement, this is the behavior that's going to continue around the board. And it's only going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. Because guess what? What happened around there, I'm pretty sure right now, there are people that are brewing about that and they're going to be looking for some get back and some re re retaliation. And that's the, and and that's that the part that come I back I, way larger than what just happened right, around there. Right. And that's the, that's the part that, that kills me because I ask the young guys all the time. I'm like, don't you think if you do this and you go back and retaliate, why are they not going to retaliate? I mean, this has been happening for a long time. I mean, I, I mean, I literally had a conversation with some young guys, and I was like, listen, I mean, to me, 
you know, I'm mad. I'm mad that I'm desensitized to it to a degree because I was out there. Mm-hmm. But I feel like even in the early '90s, '90, '90, '91, '92, what was DC called? The murder Siege, capital. Siege, baby. It was murder capital. So it's not like yeah. the stuff that we see is 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 um is new to us. But it's sad that it's still after all this time, and now it's progressively gotten worse because the youngins don't. They don't think. They don't have manners. They don't have respect. They don't care about morals. They don't. I mean, they just don't. I mean, excuse my French. They just don't give a fuck. Like, I mean, it was one time I was on the metro and I just heard these youngers talking about how he hit a hit a young lady and was using body parts and did. And I'm just looking at the older woman and you know what she doing? She looking at me. You want to say something? So I'm like, so so I'm like, hey, cuz, come on, man, you got the old, and I ain't trying to be, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, come on, cuz, you got the old, nigga, fuck you, fuck you gonna do? Uh-huh. Nah, Slim, I'm not trying to, I, nah, I don't give a fuck, what's up? And then, like, step to me. So I stood up, I'm like, cuz, that's not what I'm trying to do, man, fuck you, tell me, you old niggas always, and by the time he can get it out of his throat, my, my thumb and my hand was up under here, and all you can hear, him, I was like, cuz. I yeah. wasn't trying to do that, Slim. But now and that's, and that's you want one some of the things that 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 we don't want. One one of the reasons why a lot of this goes on is because our youth here they have nothing to do. They don't. What do they have to do? And and this is before COVID. Right. Go to the wreck. Right. It's more stuff that happened in these DPR wrecks than a little bit. That's true. So they they literally have nothing that's going to pull them out of the situation that they currently in. Right. They got issues with their home lives. They probably have parents, some of them, right. that don't give them the attention and affection that they need. Right. Or their parents may be victims of the drug life and they're forced to raise themselves. Right. So these are situations that 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 we have. So we can't, you know, it's, it's, if I got a cut here and a cut here and a cut here, you can't take one band-aid and slap it on all of it. Right. Each one is going to have to be treated differently. Correct. You know? So I feel like if they had things for the young men to do with their hands, right. to give them pride, Correct. like when they're in school, how they had auto shop right. and carpentry. Right. They had these type of things right. where they can develop a love for making their own furniture, right. for building a car, becoming right. a mechanic. Right. When they strip these things away, they pretty much strip the way the driving force for any man of color. And and, and, they, and they and they not force them, but it's like they force them and tell them, oh, you got to go to college. You got to go to college. No, you don't have to go to college. You do not have to That's go to college. That's not what I tell college. my daughter. Yeah, you do not I, have to. I mean, going no. to college is okay. Cause I went to college, and I mean, I'm here to tell you, if I would have known what I, if if what if, if I would have known what I know now, when I left school, <laughs> I would not have went to college. Trust me, because when I left school, hey, the federal government was like, yeah, uh, make sure you get this tab, you know, at some point, you know what I'm saying. But if I'd have went and got a trade, I would have been walking out of that trade, you know, 18 months at best with a job with no debt. With a nice paying exactly. job versus but going to college you know, and leaving college with, you know, sixty, seventy thousand dollars worth of debt off the rate. Like right. And then but and then, and then watch this. And then watch this. And then you're not even working in your degree. Like I know people who, who graduated right. with accounting degrees and all and they working at Safeway. I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> I mean, right, on, right. 
But you know where that comes from, though, too. That is a that is a mindset. That's a generational mindset. Right. It was taught from generation to generation to generation. My great great grandmother, my my great great grandmother told it to my great grandmother, and my great grandmother told it to my grandmother, and my grandmother told it to my mother, and my mother told it to me. I'm not telling it to my kids because the, the the times have changed. Back then, that was the mindset. You go to school, you get you a high degree in learning, and then you'll be able to get you a good paying job. Now everything has evolved so much, whereas though. All you have to do is find something that you're passionate about, right. something that you actually love doing Correct. and make it make money for you. Correct. That's all that's required. Correct. So, so, so you don't have to have the degrees and you don't have to be in debt doing anything like that. I would love if we can have some of the laws that Canada has where Canada allows their kids over there to go to college absolutely debt-free. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I would hate to get into that because there's so many other yeah, places that do stuff. And I'd be like, wait, you can have a baby and be all for a whole year? You and a daddy? I'm like, wait a minute. What? Wait, wait, wait a minute. But I wanted to read um a, a couple comments just to let the people that's on live, you know, to let them know that we, you know, we see them. So a young lady wrote, these millennials do not care, <clears throat> do not care, do not care about or believe anything when it comes to this pandemic. They do what they want and will suffer the consequences later. It's sad that so many people don't take heed to the climate of the world right now. The young lady, mm -hmm. too. I pray that the survivors, her, the, the, that she survives her injuries. But I have to ask why being in the profession that you're in where you're out when you're out there amongst the, the all the people, like, we can't sugarcoat anything. Everyone has to be held accountable. I always say that it's not the politics, it's not the politicians' fault, but the time, if they knew them, their hands are covered in their blood as well. Someone has to care enough to make this violence go away. It's insane. Sure. And then my man said, it's hard to stop the beefing. Wait, wait one second. Oh, okay. Before you, before you read that one, okay. I, if she's still online, if she's still listening, I absolutely love what it is that she wrote. But I just want to add something to that. It's the politician's fault when they are aware of where these situations are going oh. and they refuse to do anything about it. Oh. We as commissioners, our power only goes to the ceiling of our houses. Yikes. When we tell you, the politicians, what has to happen in place, because we are elected to be the voices of the community. So when we go to you and say, we need this, we need that in place, and your response is to ignore, deflect, tell us to move on, or encourage us to think that it's not that serious, then it is your fault. Mm. It's all of your fault. It's the mayor's fault in Ward 8. It's the council member Treyon White's fault. In Ward 7 is Vincent Gray's fault because they have all been in office enough to know, long enough to know exactly how this goes now. Mm. You already know what it is. You're not new to this. Vincent Gray was once the mayor himself. You're not new to this. You know what's going on. 
Muriel Bowser was once an ANC commissioner. A piece of shit of one, I hear, but she was once one. You understand? Trayon White was a roving leader. You know better. You know what's going on. So the time is now because they are all responsible. They know what's going on in their city. People keep them informed. They choose to do nothing Mm. because we are in Ward 8 and Ward 7 is urban decay. We are facing colorism. Mm -hmm. We are living in decrepitude. That's true. And we we are just tolerated by the masses. No one cares about the residents over here in Ward 8. No one, none of them. So this behavior is going to continue and continue and continue. And how we, the commissioners, well, me and Christopher Hawthorne, I'm not saying all of them, Mm -hmm. but how me and Christopher Hawthorne plan on combating these issues is to constantly put it in the media's eye. Mm -hmm. Because if it's heard all around the world, then they're going to get scrutiny all around the world. And then they're going to have other people say, well, what the fuck are you all doing with these people over here? I'm going to do a press conference in regards to this, and I'm going to do a call to action. I want all our Caucasian brothers and sisters to come out. The same way y'all was out there protesting Mm -hmm. for all of the police brutality, we'll protest for this colorism brutality over here in Water because that's what we're facing right now. They get riots. They get protests. They get to knock down buildings. But when these drive-by shootings happen over here, all we get is a motherfucking candlelight visual and some balloons and teddy bears hung around a light pole with somebody's tennis shoes thrown up there. It's a disrespect to the dead. I'm sick of it. Something got to change, and something got to change right goddamn now. And and and, and I and I actually went live a couple weeks ago, um, and I think. A couple people inbox me because they can hear the passion behind what I was saying, you know, and even, you know, just my voice. And they were just like, I just wanted to hit you and make sure you was good. I'm like, I'm good, but just like your Roy Most, I mean, you you get tired of hearing this shit. I mean, I I just recently saw Big G on IG, and I had never saw Big G get this animated, but you could just tell. It's bothering people. It's the trauma. It's like, come on, man. Like, what is we doing? And it's like, my man Dana saying, he said, it's hard to stop the beefing when it's a murder involved. So we got to find out the issue before it stops. Like you said, preventative measures. How do we prevent it from happening versus trying to react to it after it happens? I mean, it just seems like it's always after the well, fact. Well, guess what? Can I, can I say something about that, too? Absolutely. Your mayor's office, if, if that was from a, a D.C. resident, it your is. mayor's office, your attorney general, Carver Seen, they have created groups called violence interrupters that's supposed to get out there and get in between all of this. The, the problem is some of them are in violence themselves. That's mm. one. Secondly, they don't do nothing. Mm. If the violence is happening over here on Willow Road, then why are you only over there by Blue High School? Mm. I have contacted Cure the Streets my first term, my first year of my term, so many times like, okay, well, we, we need it over here, and I need it over there, and I need it here, I need it here. What we were told was, well, I, what I was told was, that's not an area that we cover. Oh, well, no. what the fuck? Well, if you're getting a million dollars and you're supposed to interrupt the violence in the street, then why wouldn't the areas that I'm telling you about 
the areas that you cover. Oh, wow. You should be covering all of the violence in the city. Oh, wow. I'm just reading comments. A lot of people telling me to tell you to preach on, says to preach on. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. That's crazy. I mean, but. I'm sorry. I'm so. Yeah, um, I mean, no. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm hey, listen. <laughs> I mean, because at the end of the day, like we talked, you know, offline, you know, earlier, like, you know, we both, we both got a past. We both got a history. We both are from the District of Columbia. So it's not like the stuff that we're seeing now is new to us, but it's get to the point now where we, we're older. We got kids. We don't. We don't. We don't live life. We don't got through some stuff. And it's like when you turn on the news or come home, or you get a phone call, you like, damn, again, like for real. I mean, it just get to the point now where you just say, like, when when is enough enough? And I remember I posted something online, and somebody was like, man, this this some shit that's always happened. And I'm just like, well, were we supposed to just continue to let it happen? Like I'm confused. Like. At what point do we say enough is enough? And I know I hear people say enough is enough, but at what point do we truly say enough is enough and people get out and kind of, you know, get involved? And I always tell people that you can't really solve anything if you don't go meet these young people or these people where they are. Now, I'm not saying be disrespectful. I'm not saying, you know, hot they hot they neighborhood up, but just at least just go and say, Slim, what, 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 what can be done to help y'all not carry it as far as y'all curry i mean we got kids like i told you me starting my podcast was because of micaiah wilson who got killed up in clay terrace i did not know the young lady i did not know the family i didn't know i did not know them but i knew somebody who had um who has another podcast and she knew the family and i saw her you know uh saying that they was gonna have a vigil and it was just something in me that was like I got to do something. I got to say, I'm, fi I'm feeling a certain type of way. And I remember one night I had already kind of stopped playing with the podcast stuff and I recorded. And I mean, I'll tell anybody on here, if anybody wants to go back to my very first episode, 001, it was about Micaiah Wilson. And it, it just touched me because I have been somebody out in the street with guns. I have been somebody who has done some bad things, but I never... I never brought any type of attention to anybody, no kids, no female, never. If I had an issue, I'm going to just keep it 100. If I had an issue with a nigga, it was between me and him. And I knew how to handle that. And I mean, if anybody grew up in Southeast in the in the 90s and listened to Scarface, Ghetto Boys, that, okay. was, that was the street logic of how you handle yourself with people or without people. Right. Okay. So, so if yeah. I had to, so if I had to deal with somebody, I'm gonna see this nigga one on one, and that's it. I'm not about to get out no car, seventy gunshots, and I'm just shooting. I'm not about to do that. So it was something about that incident that shoot, shoot, shoot with your back, shoot with your head turned turn, and running. I, Joe, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. And so it was something about that incident that touched me. I started this podcast thing and never stopped, right? And I remember going to the one-year anniversary and kind of walking from HD all the way up to where she got where she got cur where she got killed. And I remember they did a moment of silence, and I remember just standing there thinking, like, with my eyes closed, like, what if somebody come by here right now and start shooting? But something told me not to open my eyes, though. Something told me to just keep your eyes closed and stay still. And I did, and I right. did. the 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 community was, you know, it was it was a peaceful event. Nothing happened. My man Kenny Sway came and sung, and I mean, it was a good event. And then it's like, mm -hmm. from then on, it was like I'm gonna keep talking. 
I'm going to keep podcasting. I'm going to start showing up at different events. I was at Tony Lewis Jr.'s event, uh, a day of empathy for um, giving solidarity to, you know, all the brothers and sisters who locked up. Um, I did the um, the Emancipation Day. I would, I would like to meet him, too. Can you can you give me an introduction? Um, I can try to because the person who um, got me plugged into him is a good friend of mm-hmm. mine. And, and they do a lot of work together because my man is a, um, a videographer. So if I can reach out, because I've been trying to get an interview with him. I mean, I've really been trying to get an interview with him for a minute because I read his book because I read his book and it was a powerful part in his book about when he talked about his mother and her dealing with her mental issues so I wanted to talk to him about that because I feel like people need to hear more about that because it's it's a lot of parents that and a lot of children that had dealt with the 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 main breadwinner you know the breadwinner of the family gone locked up and now the mother has to deal with everything else and it was just too much for her and he yeah. said that she was just lashing out. And so I wanted to just interview him about that and then just kind of, you know, break into, you know, just a conversation. Right. So if I can do that, I would definitely uh-huh. try to, you know, plug you in if I get a yeah. chance to do that. But I just feel like for me, you know. I think I think to, to, to some degree, especially living over here where we are. And I was telling one of my coworkers the other day, I could hear gunshots and will not flinch. Right. And I will not walk in the woods. Right. There's something wrong with that. The woods is nature. You're supposed to want to go running through the woods or running through the grass or something like that. Not around here. I will not walk in the woods. <laughs> no but I can hear gunshots and it doesn't bother me. Right. Because I hear them so often. Mm-hmm. I don't flinch. I don't jump. I don't do anything. Right. Now, if they right by me, of course, I'm going duck and roll Correct. or run Correct. like anybody else would. Correct. But... I don't, it's, it's gone. That initial fear that you have when you, when you hear these type of things, it's gone. Now, when you see some of the Caucasian people walking down the street, if they hear a bottle drop too loud, they jump and they turn around. Me, I just look at it like, oh, okay. I got, a, I got a guy saying that, man, the interrupters wouldn't even come to mediations we had at HD for the Clay Terrace Lincoln Heights beef. And they're not going to because they only in it for the money. That's it. And that's one of the things that 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 that's one of the things that bothers me so much is that this could actually be a beneficial program. And if you ain't going to do it, then move the fuck out of the way for the people that can actually come into play and actually do it and help us get what needs to be done done. Like Pizza Holics. I felt like Pizza Holics was actually a good program. Unfortunately, Ronald Moten and Jahar had their own issues or whatever else went on with them. But the program itself was a good program. Mm. They actually squashed a, a lot, lot of, of beef. the beef. They did. I remember that. that. I remember that. I remember that. So if we could get somebody to kind of piggyback off of that model, because right now, the violence interrupters model is the model that was adopted from out of Chicago. Okay. You mean the Windy City? Right. Don't they kill people for going north there too? They do. So if it's not working there, why the hell did y'all thought it was going to work here? Because I, I talked to a guy, he was saying that it, um, you know, it is in is in L.A. out in California, you know, all these other places, and I'm just like, I mean, I, I'm I'm all for trying something, you know, to to get something on the street that'll help, you know what I mean? But like you just said, if it's not going to fully 
you know, development to something that's tangible, that's really working, then we got to go to something else. We got to try to, you know, we can't just but, keep pushing the same thing. We got to try something. This different. just goes to show you that the current measures in place, they don't work. It don't work. Because if you're trying to come to these people who had to live in violence and you don't know what their survival mode is, but you're coming to them and you're trying to squash this beef, you're trying to convince them that they're going to live a great life and this, that, and the third. Well, guess what they probably got to deal with? Outside of that, right. they probably couch surfing. Right. They ain't got nowhere to live. Right. School don't close. Right. Some of them was depending on getting a meal right. from their breakfast and their lunch. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, some of them was washing their clothes and taking wash ups and stuff at school. They had teachers that was making sure they had clean uniforms. Yeah. Yeah. I know a teacher. Yeah. I know a teacher right now. Who and I, and I did an episode with her, and I'll give you the um the the number so you can listen to it. She was saying that she was actually going to the store and buying detergent. She was actually yeah. going to the store and buying supplies for her kids because they they didn't have it, and she would actually wash clothes and you know give school supplies out. I'm just like, damn, it's like that out here. Like that's that's crazy. So I can imagine the pandemic itself, how it. You know, traumatize so many people. People that got laid off, people that can't pay their bills, the kids that can't go to school because it's closed, they can't eat. So now the parents got to figure out how they gonna get that extra money to feed they everybody. Have, they have exactly. So, they have situational depression, right. which is not an actual diagnosis. It's just a term that I came up with. But <laughs> right. it's situational it's, depression. Hey, it sound good. Like to get your money, and you was mad because you wanted something that you needed to go get right then and there. Yeah. But once midnight hit, you was like, "Oh yeah, I'm about to go to the bank now and get this." Get this so yeah. situationally, right. you was depressed. Yeah. But when that money hit your account, you your spurs was uplifted. Right, 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 right. right. That's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's the That's same crazy. thing. We're dealing with situation of the depression. We're dealing with something else that I made up that doesn't have a actual terminology, but it's called intracolonialism oh, because we're being forced out by our you, own you made government. that up you made that up i did oh man say it say it again intracolonialism good gracious i'm gonna have to write that down see if i can put that in <laughs> okay. right because we're being forced out by our own government and i absolutely positively hate to hear people use gentrification for everything mm. people just don't know gentrification by definition by definition means to beautify right this is what they're doing they're beautifying right gentrification is also one of the few words that does not have a negative meaning so they made sure that they didn't create a negative meaning for that mm. that's why i said it's intracolonialism mm. because it's being done to us by our own government so they're going to come along. They're going to beautify this place. They're going to build up and everything, but they're going to make damn sure that you cannot afford to stay here. They canceling bus routes. I heard about that. I re I remember. I remember. I caught your live, and you talked about canceling bus routes. You talked about um, not having grocery stores. I was like, damn, she is really on one right now. I was like, man, let me. Yes. Find out. They canceling bus routes. They want to move. A Harris tea that they, they want to move a Whole Foods on St. Elizabeth's campus. 
um, we need an Audi's or something that resembles Murray's from off the South Capitol Street. Correct. You already have us. And if you and I invite everybody that's listening, go into the giant on Alabama Avenue or go into the Safeway. Take a look at that produce. It looks like they drop all our shit off last. They wait until our stuff get nice and riding. And then they drop it. Have you ever bought some strawberries from out of that place? I mean, I, I've had strawberries two days. They don't wilt it all the way. You can't even eat them. I've been in there maybe twice, and you know, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just be honest with you. I'm just gonna keep it a hundred. I've been in there twice. One time I had to go in there to get something slight, but then the next time I had to go um, get some, um, some money out of the ATM machine because we was doing like a little event for some of the kids at Baloo. Um, mm-hmm. For Christmas or whatever, so I had to get some cash out the bank. I mean, out the ATM machine. But I remember the first time I walked in there, the lighting was so dim it stopped me in my tracks. I was like, "Why the fuck is so dark in here?" It's like, "What the fuck?" And then I walked, you know, walked. I was just like, "Damn, I don't need. It's a grocery store, and I don't even feel comfortable in here. Like, what's going on in here?" So it just, just the whole. And then, and then the police officer threw me off because when I stopped at the door, get what he say. You good? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, Slim. I'm trying to figure out why the light's so dark. Why it's so look so dark in here? So I mean, I, it's 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 definitely it's definitely um it's definitely not a good right, look. Right here at at Holiday Market, it's like five dollars for a gallon of milk. Right? They have a section in Holiday in that in that Holidays um. That holiday's little shopping mall right there is a little Ethiopian-owned convenience store. And they have a section of produce and all from D.C. Central Kitchen. And I'm looking at the prices on it. And I'm like, okay, I need to contact D.C. Central Kitchen and verify these prices are correct. Younger guys hang out there. They got upset. You going to call the people in the store? I said, excuse me? Like, who the hell are you talking to? First of all, what I need you to be upset about is the fact that these people probably just moved over here. And managed to come in your community where you lived all your life and opened up their business. But you can't. That's what you be mad about. Mm. Don't be upset because I want to make sure they not overcharging Charging. our community. Right. You should be mad that you got to buy all your essentials from here in the first place. Right. I mean, that's but until, that's education, though. I mean, not normal. Until, not really until normal. our community <clears throat> get it together to a, to a point where we become the controlling vote. Get it together to a point where we say, guess what? I would rather buy my milk and everything else out of this man's stuff right here with this cooler before I go in here and patronize you. If you stop patronizing some of these places, you'll make them lose on the low end $10,000 a day in revenue. Right. Just stop. Right. Run them out. Right. Get them out. You're going to teach me how to open up my business since you was able to come in here and do it so fast. I don't, I'm not business smart. I need to learn what you already knew because you came in my community and you opened up this business. So unless you start teaching us how to do this shit ourselves, you ain't making no money here. Right. And, and I need people with me that's going to be bold like that. Right. Be bold because I'm bold. It's scary so though. It's scary. It's, it's scary because I know a lot of people when I first started this, you know, a, a lot of people, I mean, especially family members and friends, they told me to be mm-hmm. careful. I was like, be careful? They was like, yeah, man, just be careful because people can't handle the truth. Like, people can't mm-hmm. handle hearing what's real. Like, just just be careful. And I think for me, when I first started, it was kind of a, uh, you know, you know, funny, edgy type 
you know, I mean, after I got past, you know, the the, the uh, Makaya Wilson and the snitching, because I did Makaya Wilson, then I did snitching, you know, and then I went on and kind of, you know, went everywhere. But then it got it got it got to the point where, you know, I got to a point where I was in my room one day and I just started thinking about stuff that I've been through. Like, you know, uh, mental health issues, PTSD, just everything. And then it got kind of serious from here on out. And then the people really start like, damn, Slim, I heard the joint you talked about last night. That was Jai Deep. Or oh, I heard the joint that you talked about last week, man. That joint. So it got to the point where I was kind of playful with it. But now I'm just like, let's really talk about what's going on because there's a lot going on out here. And I don't know everything, but I have experience right. in a lot of stuff. And then people like you that I meet, you know, let's come on. Let's 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 talk because I, if we, we're not going to find out. Or we're not going to find a medium for a perfect idea if we don't talk about it. Like, I could be wrong about my idea, but somebody could say, Kevin, you on one, but let's try this. I'm willing to try whatever that may work. I mean, because if nothing's working at this point. Like, right. My family, my point. friends have been telling me this since I've become so outspoken. Robbie, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. careful. People don't, people not going to like what you're doing, right. this, that, and the third. And like I told you when we talked earlier, there has been videos about me out now. I believe somebody probably getting paid to do those videos out about me, videos out about Christopher Hawthorne calling him a thief for some ANC money that he wanted to have investigated. He withheld the check so that people couldn't steal the money. And he disobeyed the order to get the checkbook back. And they found a way to steal the money anyway by doing it wire transfers to debit cards. Mm. Okay? Mm. There's been videos out about him. There's been videos out about me. There's been videos about our relationship. Like, there's been everything. Anything that they feel can possibly discredit us. But guess what? I'm not going to stop pushing forward. In my opinion, this is what comes with the territory. Right. And if you're not built for it tough, then you need to go ahead and buy out now. Right. But I'm not going to stop. And I told Christopher Hawthorne, oh, guess what we're doing? Stomping on some people's toes because now people are getting uncomfortable. Right. Well, you're really going to be uncomfortable when I do this press conference coming up. Because I'm throwing it all out there on the table mm -hmm. for the whole world to see about how we are constantly treated over here in our ward. Yeah. We are living in decrepit circumstances. We are. This is urban decay at its finest. I honestly feel if they can take a gate and lock it around Ward 8 and Ward 7 and leave us to our lonesome so they can live however they want in the rest of the free world, they will absolutely do it. Mm. You got good people that live over here yes. that want to live the way they know that they can. They want to live their best life. Absolutely. People out here working hard. Absolutely. We don't want you popping fireworks by our car. Right. That's true. That's true. Shooting up our street, having shootout on our street, racing down here, crashing into our automobile. Oh, look, I said automobile. You, you, <laughs> but anyway. You showing your age. <laughs> we, right. We want, we want better, and we deserve it. Yeah, but unless the rest of the world realize that we deserve it, Unless the rest of the war is willing to say, guess what? I'm about to get up and fight with Shorty over here because Shorty about to do the damn thing. Yeah. And I need to go ahead and fight. If we don't build up the momentum in our war to turn it around from the hopelessness that we have been getting. And I, and, and I understand the hopelessness because for years, for decades, we've been electing officials who come into office and they don't do shit. They don't do nothing. Hey, I had and it's a, been a revolving door of it. I had a conversation with a homie about a month ago, month and a half, two months ago, and we talked about all the mayors in D.C., and we got to Sharon Pratt Kelly. Man, we, woo, we had to take a couple shots because I was like, that chick, 
I mean, just her office alone. I was like, how much did her office cost again? She had a spiral staircase. I would never forget that. I was like, Joe, you did all that. And then what did you do for the city, though? Not a damn thing. It's like, come on, man. Come you on, got. Man. Let me tell you something. Even with ANC commissioners, right? People misjudge the roles that we have, right? With every decision that we make, everything has to be done by a quorum, right? So if it's, we have seven commissioners that sit on our seat. For us to make decisions, we have to have at least four commissioners that's in agreement. They have a quorum, and then things will get done. Well, guess what though? When you have a bunch of commissioners that have their own agendas, then they don't like each other. Mm. Add that with some of them might want a high office and this, that, and the third, or they really just don't care about the community altogether. We're never going to be on the same page. Right. We have literally my commission and we've had past commissioners who stolen close to $20,000 from our commission. So we was under investigation with the older commissioner, the old commissions, because when I came into office, I came into office with four others. So there were five brand new commissioners on this commission and two commissioners left over. Mm. So five people lost their seats. Mm. Right. And those people who lost their seats, they were still in money. And I'm glad I was one of the ones like I'm not signing anything. An audit should be done on these accounts so we can see what's been going on with them. Right. That's how we were able to find out that the money was being stolen. So with the first year of my commission, our commission was under investigation. So our money was frozen. But after that was all over with, why are we doing anything for the community? I told my commission, well, in order to use the money, let me go back. In order to use the money, you have to create programs that don't already exist. So no one can come to us and say, I'm short of my rent. Do you think you guys can help me? There's already rental assistance programs out here. So we have to create things that don't currently exist. Okay, that right? makes sense. Okay. So one of the things I said, okay, well, the, the seniors that live in our single member district, some of them live in zone parking areas. And because they have limited income, they can't pay that $35 per year for their parking passes. How about we create a senior program and allow them to be able to apply for that once per year? At least okay. we can pay $35 and all they got to do is pay $35. Boom. They got it for two years. Oh, okay. Right. No, we ain't going to do that. When the COVID first broke out, can we get masks and hand sanitizer? I don't know if we can find some bleach, but let's try it and give it to the people within our community. Masks, hand sanitizer, gloves. Let's get a bunch of that. Start giving it out because people need it. No. Wow. Then they created a grant program where they were going to give a thousand dollars to nonprofit organizations in the community to help, you know, people out. All of those grant programs they turned down for one reason or another. Wow. All we're doing is and, paying and, and we, for we, an office assistant we, who um, does nothing. We we just recently um you know uh formed a um nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And we we have been we like we me, my partners, we we real strategic. Like we at this age, we don't want to come out and be a laughing stock, right? We wanna come out legit right. and ready to go, right? And so we've been doing a lot of stuff. 
you know, under under the radar. So I, so the nonprofit that I'm that I'm affiliated with is called Type DMV. Uh, the acronym okay. means uh, Teaching Youth Prosperity and Excellence. That's kind of what the acronym means. And so we've been hearing how a lot of nonprofits have been getting money but not doing what they were supposed to do. And so now it's harder. I don't want to say harder, but it's more scrutiny now to try to get harder. try to get funding. You know, to yeah. operate because a lot of other, you know, you know, nonprofits have done whatever. And so, right. you know, we, we still going to keep pushing like because we know we got some resources. We know some people, you know, mental, mm-hmm. in the mental health industry. We know some people in the education industry. You know, we know some people that can help us get the ground running. So we want to keep working. We we, we, we doing an, um, a small event in, in September with a young lady just to, you know, kind of put ourselves out there. So we're going to start slow. But I mean, like I say, I mean, it's just something that I feel like. You know, people who talk to me, you know, you know, had my back when I was young. Right. And would talk to me and would say, you know, you know, this is not you. You smarter than this. You this, you this. And I'm like, it, it was so much that it got to a point where like, damn, maybe they maybe they know something that I don't know. Because I mean, I remember my teacher um, in junior high school, Miss Bell. I, I don't know how I remember this, but her name was Miss Bell. She was my uh, geometry teacher. She told me one day she was like, Kevin. I don't know how you see yourself in the mirror, but I can see beyond everything that's in front of me and you are a better person than what you're showing. I was just like, huh? And in my mind, she was right because my mother didn't raise me to what I was doing, my grandmother, you know what I'm saying? Like, I wasn't raised that way. So it's like, to her, it's like, why are you doing this? So for me, it was just like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just felt like, you know, I mean, if, if I don't help others, you know, What's going to happen? So, looks like we having, I don't know, a technical difficulty. Um, I lost my guest. Hmm, where's Robbie? I lost Robbie. But, y'all, I mean, in a nutshell, you know, um, Robbie hit on a lot of great points. Um, I think that, um, you know, for me, you know, she was somebody that I spoke to, you know, a few times. And I wanted to get her on here to kind of, you know, you know, talk her piece and she did. And so I'm happy, you know, that I was able to get her and I'm happy that a couple of y'all showed up. Tony, I see you. Dana, I see you. Tiffany. No. What's up, No? What's up, Chant? I mean, I see a lot of y'all on here, you know, and I appreciate y'all coming through. I really do, man. And, you know, I just feel like at this point, you know, with this mass shooting the other night, man, and, you know, just the stuff that, um, you know, the, the way I see people reacting to it. I mean, again, when I saw Big G, and when I saw the, his reaction, I was like, Joe, he is really pissed. And I mean, it get, it's getting to a point now where, you know, I hate to say it, but it's like people got to get pissed in order to want to see something different for, you know, D.C., man, for real. So, I mean, I, I don't want people to have to feel like they got to get pissed, but I want people to get, you know, to a point where they want to do something and help, you know, D.C. become a better place because D.C. does not have to be what it is right now you know what i mean and so we can be better we can do better and i think we should so i mean again with the politicians and you know the back and forth of what they do i really can't tell anybody you know how that works but all i can do is say you know you know if if you want change if you want to see change you have to be a part of it you know what i mean you have to be a part of what you want to see and i remember telling somebody that you know how can we how can we want how can be how can we want change but we're not even trying to live or be the change that we want to see you know and so i feel like for me i try to be 
the change that I want to see every day. And if somebody else sees me doing that, maybe that'll trickle down to them. And then if somebody else sees them doing that, then it, you know, and then it'll just be this effect of everybody trying to be better than they were yesterday. And that's kind of the motto, you know, for my platform. And I, and when I tell people that I don't tell people that just, you know, for me, I tell people that because, you know, I mean, it, I'm talking to myself sometimes be better than you were yesterday. It's times that I have bad days and, Everything doesn't go right, but if God gives me breath, I try to go out and, you know, be better than I was, you know, the day before. And that's all I try to do. So I thank y'all for coming through, man. Um, again, um, my condolences go out to um, all the families and the people affected of, you know, all of these tragic events that's happened in the last few months. Definitely the um, the event that happened today up in Baltimore with the gas explosion, you know, my, my, my condolences go out to... Um, you know, all of those family members, they said, last time I looked, they said they were still looking for people in the rubble. And then I saw it on TV because I heard it on the radio, but then I saw it on the TV. I was just like, oh my, I mean, even my daughter, my, my daughter was like, daddy, look, I was like, oh, I mean, it was just, I mean, it shit just blew up. I was like, oh man. So, I mean, it's just so much trauma going on. It's so much, um, you know, mental health, you know, issues going on. It's just, it's just crazy. So, I mean, if, if you got a peace of mind, you know, and, and you're in a good place, you know, um, it, I, 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 you know, I think that that's great, but there's a lot of people out here. That's not, there's a lot of people out here. That's not in a good state of mind. It's a lot of people who are financially in the bind. And there's a lot of people out here that can't even eat, you know what I mean? And so we got to kind of, you know, try to come together and be, you know, the, again, the type of change that we want to see. Like when I see homeless people, you know, I try to either get them food or if I got a couple of dollars, I give it to them. And I, and, I, and I just feel good at the end of the day because I felt like I did something, you know, to help somebody else out. And I think that I, I tell people this a lot now <clears throat> just so they know, but I was reading a book some years ago when I was going through my divorce and it was called Knowing Your God-Given Talent. And, and one of my God-given talents um, is servitude. Like I love to do stuff for other people, you know, helping them out. And that's part of, you know, my, um, my business that I had, I think I got her back. Let me see if I can get her back. I think I got her back. Y'all hold on. I think I got her back one second, but yeah, my business, you know, I was, I was, you know, you know, moving people. And I think that, you know, me helping people move, was a way of me, you know, showing my servitude, you know, helping people relocate, helping people get front. You know, I just, you know, I mean, you know, everybody that know me know I don't mind working. So, you know, for me, it's, it's nothing. But I'm trying to see if I can get her back in. <clears throat> but it's not working. But again, I thank her for coming through. Oh, she here she go. Here she go. Here she go. Here she go. All right. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you. I don't know, so I don't know what happened. No, it's all good. My, my computer guy, everyone. I am so sorry. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So, so I mean, since we're here and we back, you know, give give me something to close us out. What, what, I mean, I, I know that, you know, everybody was kind of talking about um, the curfew thing. And, and I don't want to really get into that because I feel like, you know, you know, it's been oh, asked. Yeah, it's a been deep conversation. Yeah, it's been asked a lot for you to do. You know what you're supposed to do, and for some reason, you know, we still not doing 
what we're supposed to do. So I think that's going to be something that's going to end up happening. Because I remember um, Mary Bowser saying that, you know, if people outside and we don't want them outside, they just going to end up getting locked up. I was just like, oh, did she just tell us something? So kind of just tell me, you know, in a nutshell of what you think um, can can happen. I mean, just in the pandemic to try to get people to stay in the house. I honestly feel like our city needs to be shut back down. I feel like that's the only way to fix it is if you shut the city down until these numbers start going away. Because you have to think about it. We've only been in this COVID for about what? Four months? Yeah, since March. The the middle since of March. March. Mm-hmm. Right. So nothing it, it who who thought who, who I don't understand why they felt like it was gonna go away this fast and that it was going to be safe enough to open up this soon. It was affecting the economy. I get that. Mm-hmm. But the government, the <clears throat> same way they went and sent out twelve hundred dollars to everybody. They could fix anything anytime they want to. If that wasn't enough to make people see, I don't know what is. So the mayor really need to consider completely shutting our city right back down and allowing everyone to work from home, do a complete rent, mortgage, and utility freeze, work something out taxable for the landlords and the mortgage companies and the utility companies, but everything needs to stop and be frozen. Mm. And, 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 and do you think that offenders that still go out after that, I mean, is, is, is jail appropriate? I mean, I, I would hate to see somebody go to jail, but is that is that the appropriate step? I mean, because I go to work and go home, but everybody not me. So, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just, I just want everybody to be better, man. I just want everybody to kind of, you know, get it together <clears throat> and not have to, you know, keep kind of living, you know, the way they are and 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 just. I don't know. Just get it together. It's rough. It's rough. But I lost Robbie again, y'all. I don't know what happened. But I would say that's probably my time because I lost her again. But I'm so thankful that she came through. I'm thankful that y'all came through. And, um, again, I'm going to try to keep this going. I'm going to try to keep a couple more topics going. I'm working on something right now. Um, you know, not sure if I'm going to do it here or if I'm going to do it just on my um my my audio um format but I'm going to try to keep bringing y'all you know conversations that I think are hard but I think they're needed. So I, I thank everybody for coming through. I thank ANC Commissioner Robbie Woodland of 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 um Ward 8 for coming by um and giving us, you know, some perspective and some things that we probably did not know. And again, I want y'all to be I want y'all to be blessed. I want y'all to be safe. I want y'all to be easy and most importantly, y'all already know I want you to be better than you were yesterday, man. It's a six, man. I love y'all. Y'all be easy, man. Six man or star, I'm better than yesterday. I gotta be better than yesterday.
Six man, no star, I'm better than yesterday We gotta be better, do better That's every minute, every second uh, Drop a juice, hope you collect enough The voice of the people, we all gon' get heard This real spill, never clean what I say uh, Always tuned in, never tuned out Gotta stay woke and be a sleepwalker Gotta stand up, got too many stand out Stay ready, like the six man of the year we are